as always. It's so good to be with you. And how are you doing? I keep thinking every day this is the peak on the, the leaves, but then I, every day I look and they're more spectacular. So they just, it's, it is truly a, a wonderful and a unique fall. So I hope you're getting to enjoy that. And here's just a little bit of priest humor somebody sent me this week. I always get little quirks here here now. I think this is a good one. Listen to it. A priest giving a children's homily on vestments asked, why do you think I wear this collar? One of the kids answered, because it kills ticks and fleas for 30 days. <laughs> All right. Out of the mouths of babes, right? Isn't it amazing? It truly is. Well, this morning's scripture focuses upon justice. Justice is a broad word. I mean, it's, it's very broad. So I think we have to narrow it somewhat into what is the context of justice as we've heard in the reading of the scriptures. And also it's sort of who we are as Catholics, you know, or as Christians. What is it? What is it about justice that it's so important? And it really boils down to this. See if you don't agree. Justice is seeing that everyone is treated fairly. Everyone is treated fairly. Well, regrettably, I must say that in some parts of our society today, there are, there are things that sort of determine whether or not you're going to be treated fairly or unfairly, like uh, how much money you have, your wealth, your power, and your position. Those are the kinds of things. And based upon how much or how little you have, it can determine whether you get more than fair treatment, fair treatment, or you don't get fairly treated at all. Wouldn't you agree with that? I think that's very true. Um, and as I reflected upon that and the theme of justice, as we see, it also took me back to a period of time when I was an advocate for a group called the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill. And what I did was I was an advocate to support the fair treatment of those who have been diagnosed with mental illness. Uh, folks in that category sometimes are not treated fairly. They're treated extremely unfairly. And so um, I, I really focused a lot of time and energy at a certain period of my life upon that as well. And it was during that time that uh, I was beginning to seek out the Catholic Church. I was starting to feel these little sparks, you might call it, of, uh, in my heart of checking out the Catholic Church. And one of those, uh, I was looking up, what does the church teach on those diagnosed with mental illness? And I came across a piece that St. John Paul II addressed to uh, mental health workers, and I was extremely impressed with it. I mean, it, it was just one more feather in, in the cap, so to speak, in coming into the Catholic Church, because uh, the Holy Father's uh, emphasis was on dignity based upon who you are, not qualities and characteristics that we define in, in our world today, but based upon your dignity being made in the image and likeness of God. And that really, that really spoke to me. As a matter of fact, uh, ever since that time, it helped to shape and form my understanding and my eager desire to reach out to those in dealing with social concerns and social justice issues. It was a game changer. 
<clears throat> and then today's Old Testament reading in Sirach. I mean, it, it's all about justice. Every, every word of it is. You know, sometimes uh, you don't need to give a homily. Now, I'll, I'll still give you one because I know you want one real bad. But uh, sometimes you don't need it because the scriptures do just a great job of it. You don't need anything. And this would be one, but I, I'll still give you a little bit of comment here. But uh, listen to this. I think it really speaks wholeheartedly. The Lord is a God of justice who knows no favorites. Though not unduly partial towards the weak, yet he hears the cry of the oppressed. The Lord is not deaf to the well of the orphan nor to the widow when she pours out her complaint. The one who serves God willingly is heard. His petitions reach the heavens. The prayer of the most lowly pierces the clouds. It does not rest till it reaches its goal, nor will it withdraw till the most high responds, judges justly and affirms the right, and the Lord will not delay. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I mean, that's a, what I would call some very powerful scriptures. Can you think of an example in the gospel that, where that's really lived out? Well, sure, there's plenty of them. Uh, take today's reading, for example. We got, we got two guys that are praying. Jesus is watching. He's observing. One's a Pharisee. You know, he was sort of the one that was looked up, who thought he was better than others. I mean, didn't Jesus say that in the reading? Uh, you know, he sort of despised people, <laughs> you know, because they're just not as good as me. And, um, and then there's this guy over here that's the tax collector. Now, back in that day, it's different than in, in today's world, but since uh, Israel was not a nation, but they were under uh, Roman domination, a tax collector was a Jewish person who received taxes, collected taxes for the Roman Empire. Uh, so you could imagine the popularity that they had among the people and how that that group would be considered looked down upon. You know, and that happens in several occasions. But I think it's very interesting to me that one of the 12 apostles would be become a tax collector. You know which one that is? Well, his name's Levi, but we go by Matthew. He was a tax collector. Jesus went up to him one day and said, follow me. And guess what he did? He left the tax table and he followed Jesus. I think that's powerful. See, uh, Jesus wasn't giving unfair treatment. And what does Jesus say? He says, and you know, the questions he answers are so obvious because you know what? You know, you know inside what's right and what's not right, you know? I, People ask me a lot of time, well, what should I do? I said, well, what do you think you should do? They, there it is. <laughs> you know, you know what to do. And uh, that's, that's what Jesus, who's justified? That's what's the question. Which of these two guys was justified? Well, Jesus said it was the tax collector, wasn't it? See, here's something we have to remember about justice. Uh, because you can misunderstand it in the sense that when we talk about justice, it's like giving, treating people fairly, but the church talks about giving preferential treatment. That doesn't sound like fairness, does it? Why does, why does God do that? Preferential treatment to those who are most, why? 
because they don't get it here. That's why. Because like the old Pharisee, they despise people, you know? And so we have a tendency sometimes not to treat people fairly, particularly if we think they're beneath our dignity. God says, I'll step in and I'll make your dignity just fine. And we see that over and over again. We see it in the life of Jesus. He was, he was constantly, that's why he gave preferential treatment to the poor, the needy, because they didn't get justice always. But God says, I'll make it straight. I'll make it right. And, and he does. And I think that's really important. That's powerful because that's what you and I are called to do. We are called to treat everyone fairly. That's our calling in life. To be why? Well, you're a child of God. That's why you're, you're one of his children. And you, you reflect your father. And your father, he shows mercy. He's just. And so we do that as well. And we don't look at how much money you have or where your office is located. We look at who made you, and that's God. And every human being, all of humanity, would fall into that category. We need to be reminded of that, and I'm, I'm glad that we had that in the scriptures today. But we also need to, uh, this is a time of the year when we need to be extra mindful of it because in a couple of weeks, just a little over two weeks, we'll be voting on those who will uh, be taking positions of leadership in our government. See, uh, they will be what we call our elected officials. And our elected officials reflect who we are, right? That's right. So it's important that we, when we vote, we express our conscience, what our conscience, what it means to be a child of God in our vote. Here's a big difference, big difference uh, between Catholic uh, and, you know, Catholics as, as you think about voting. Um, how many times have you heard, it, it sort of goes in cycles because it's a great tagline, about every two or three uh, presidential election you'll hear it, but uh, what you hear is this, are you better off than you were four years ago? How many of you heard that? Well, yeah, we've all heard it, haven't we? That's, are you better off? Well, what are they talking about? They're talking about your economic position. Are you better off economically than you were four years ago? And that's important. But that's not the question. That's not the primary question that Catholics ask. What is the primary question the Catholics ask? They ask this question, are we better off? are we as a people, because we care about all people. All people, it's not about me, it's about we. And that's why uh, the church is so adamant about that. And I, I really appreciate it, because that's a higher level of consciousness. <laughs> you know, we always want to take care of our needs, you know, and feel like we're comfortable. This is a higher level of consciousness. Because we're talking about taking care of the needs of all. A lot of times that can mean we don't get as much as we want because we're taking, you know, taking care of the needs of all. That's, that's exactly like when we take up collections and do things like that to help the poor, feed the poor, whatever. That's money you don't have to spend, isn't it? That's right. 
So you're making a decision. There's a decision point. You're expressing your conscience, your faith of who you are in God. And I think that's really important. So it's important that we ask that question. And, and to do that, I want to, I want to give you a couple of quick bullet points. I'll really simplify them even more than what I have here. But here's what I encourage you to do. Go to the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops website, and uh, they have a, they have a, it's a beautiful document, I mean, and uh, that they have on forming your conscience, faithful for faithful, faithful citizenship. That's what it's called. It's free. You can go to the website. It, it's great. I like to read it, particularly this time of year, because it reminds me. But what the, ch the bishops have done is they've established 10 goals, 10 goals for political life and how important those goals are. Well, we've already talked about two in the last week, because, or last couple of weeks, because of the uh, Constitutional Kentucky Amendment, uh, you know, that's coming up, number two. Uh, so we've talked about protecting the rights of the unborn, and that's important. We've also talked about uh, protecting life as a whole, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, war, vis-a-vis -vis euthanasia, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, those kinds of things, you know, death penalty, all that. So I want us to spend, go very quickly uh, on things that we need to do. Number one, as we think about who to vote for, help families and children overcome poverty. Sounds pretty honorable, doesn't it? Yeah. Ensuring access to and choice in education. We sure want that, don't we? Oh, man, we're fierce about that. Well, we need to do that for all people. Uh, decent work at fair living wages. Adequate assistance for the vulnerable in our nation. Here's a good one. Provide health care while respecting human life, human dignity, and religious freedom in our health care system. Uh, achieve comprehensive immigration reform that offers a path to citizenship treats immigrant workers fairly, it prevents the separation of families, maintains the integrity of our borders, respects the rule of law, and addresses the factors that compel people to leave their country. Here's another one. Continue to oppose policies that reflect prejudice, hostility towards immigrants, religious bigotry, and other forms of unjust discrimination. We don't have no problems with that, do we? I don't think we've hit any yet that we do. Here, number five, protect the fundamental understanding of marriage as the lifelong and faithful union of one man and one woman and the central institution of society as it is the central institution of society. Promote, they say, the complementarity of the sexes and provide better support for family life morally socially and economically. Here's a good one. Encourage families, community groups, economic structures, and government to work together to overcome poverty, pursue the common good, and care for creation. Here's a good one. Ensure and comply with moral limits on the use of military force. And finally, join with others around the world to pursue peace, protect human rights and religious liberty, and advance economic justice and care for creation. Aren't those powerful? But now that's a higher level. That's going to a higher level, because now we're considering everybody, not just 
ourselves and, and what, we, what we stand to gain in an election. But that's because you're called to a higher, what's the level that you're called to? You're called to the higher level of love. That's what you're called to. That's what Jesus called you to. So go to the website, pull up that wonderful document and study it as you prepare for the coming days as we prepare for the election. God bless all of you. I love you.